several weeks ago, I was, as our custom is at our house, to listen to Max Craddock on Friday morning. And, um, and in the lesson that he presented on that particular occasion that I'm drawing some things from uh, this morning to begin with, he, uh, he, made, he made the statement that the theme of the Bible is really Jesus Christ. And, uh, and, then he, and then he went on uh, to say that this story about Jesus Christ really comes in three parts. And as, um, as we consider those three parts this morning, uh, I'm, I'm appreciative of Corey's help in putting this, these things together so that you can see them back behind me, and I can see them there. Um, and um, uh, so as I was thinking about this, um, you know, using um, PowerPoint kind of presentation, I, I haven't done this since 2004, when Larry helped me do it to present a lesson in Del Rio, Texas. Um, so it's been a while. Um, so um, let's, um, if I can, if I can make it work, we'll uh, we'll we'll carry on. As we think about, as we think about Jesus, and as we did around the table this morning, and 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 Corey reminding us as he shared with us from Luke. Um, Do we really appreciate the fact that if there's no Jesus Christ, there's really no peace? The English language is an interesting one because we uh, we use the same we use the same word but spelled differently, and it sounds exactly the same. But when we spell no K N O W. It has a whole, whole different concept for us. And so I want you to think about that this morning, that when we, when we know Jesus Christ, then we truly can know peace. And so the theme then, the theme then that I borrowed from Max, that that the theme of the Bible is really Jesus Christ. And the Old Testament is the first part that talks to us about, about, about Jesus Christ. And the third part is the gospel accounts, and, the, and, and then we have from Acts to Revelation. And so we have the Bible divided into three sections. But think about this. The Old Testament tells us that Jesus is coming. From Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we learn that Jesus is here. And from the Acts to the Revelation, we know that Jesus is coming again. 
And so we have these, these three rather simple but yet very profound statements concerning what the Bible brings to us in the theme of Jesus Christ. And I wrote those things down that morning as Max shared them with us. And, and in the time that followed, I began to contemplate them a little bit more. And so I, uh, I took some freedom and I, I added some commentary to that. One of the neat things, if you've, you know, you've, you've observed it, no doubt, as you've read, and especially, especially within pages of Paul's writings, he often uses the word therefore. And the word therefore is used to uh, make mention of or emphasize that which had just been shared. And so I want us to think about it in this light this morning. Jesus is coming, therefore, change is coming. Jesus is here. Therefore, learn and follow. Jesus is coming again. Therefore, obey and be ready. I found it, I found it refreshing, <laughs> Mark, what you shared with us from Deuteronomy 27 this morning. Because uh, unbeknownst to you and unbeknownst to me, um, it, what you read is going to tie in nicely what we want to share this morning. So think about that. Three parts that describe Jesus. He is coming. Therefore, change is coming. He is here. Therefore, learn and follow. Jesus is coming again. Therefore, obey and be ready. And so, where I want to center our minds this morning is on the last verse that John brought to us from John chapter 14. Jesus makes a very profound and powerful statement. And we want to look at that a little carefully this morning. When he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. As Moses wrote Deuteronomy chapter 27, he was rather emphatic, Mark, as he, as he gave that message to Israel as to their importance of their being obedient to what God had to say. 
So, we want to look at these words individually <laughs> this morning from this verse. I have, I have an analytical concordance. Um, and basically what that means is that every time a word is used in the Bible, uh, it, it gives you that reference. And so if you think about it, it, would, it is rather an extensive book. <laughs> you know, you... If you're carrying it, you know you've got something to carry. And so when I was thinking about this and putting this lesson together, I was, I was wondering, I wonder how many times the word if is used in the Bible. In my analytical con concordance, there, is, there are three columns on a page. And fairly small print. And so I went to word the word if. <laughs> I looked at this page and looked at this page, turned over, looked at this page, looked at this page, turned this page over, looked at this page. I thought, my goodness, there's too many there for me to count. So I'll just count one column and then multiply it by the columns and we'll get up to a fairly accurate figure here of how much, how many is there. 1,600 times. 1,600 times the word if is used in the New American Standard Translation. I guess the only word that would be used more often than that would be the word and. The word if. The word if is an interesting one because it provides for us information that will say to us that it is, it is something that is conditional. God of old told Adam and Eve in the garden. If you eat of this tree that is in the middle of the garden, you will surely die. Satan convinced them otherwise. But we have the word if. If also indicates that there is a choice. A choice. You do this, this will be the result. If you don't do this and you choose this, then this will be the result. As a child, I always, I, 
I shouldn't say it. No, I couldn't say it this way. I was going to say I always enjoyed the things that my dad told me I needed to do. I didn't always enjoy those things. <laughs> but many, many of the times that he told me something to do, <laughs> and, he would, and he would say, well, if you do this, then this is, this is going to be the result for you. And so all of a sudden there was a bit of a motivator to get at, you know, and get the job done. But I also understood from past experiences that if I chose not to do what he said, there would be consequences there too. And the consequences for doing what he said was a whole lot better than doing what he, or not doing what he told me to do. Choice. I want to notice a few passages from John's first letter. And you don't, you don't have to be nervous this morning because I'm not going to look at all 1,600 verses that the word if appears in the Bible. But in John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1, and beginning at verse 6, this is what it says. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sins. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for all those of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Jump down to verse 15. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out in order that it might be shown that they all are not of us. Chapter 4, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12. No one has beheld the Father at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, 
and his love is perfected in us. Verse 20. If, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen <coughs> cannot love God whom he has not seen. Do you, do you get the picture of the conditional use of the word if? We have a choice. We have a choice. And so the next word is the word you. Jesus says, if you. Well, those that he was talking to in John chapter 14 were the apostles. But the interesting thing of it is that we have that recorded message for us today. And so the you is the audience Christ is addressing. And when you and I take the opportunity to open his word and read from the letters that are printed in red, if that's the kind of New Testament you have, we are reading the words of Jesus. And he's talking to us. He's talking to me. He's talking to you. And so that's the audience. And so he says, if you love. The word in Greek is the word agape. And this is one of the other frailties of the English language because we have the word love and it encompasses a whole bunch of things. Not so with the Greeks. Because they had a word like phileo. which means brotherly love, friendship. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Then the Greeks had the word eros, which referred to intimate relationships between a man and a woman that kind of love. And then there was the word agape. The kind of love that suggests that I want the best for you no matter what. I want the best for you no matter what. And so Jesus says, if you love. But he says, 
if you love me. Do you know who I am? Do you know that I'm Jesus the Christ, the risen Lord, the Son of God? Do you know who I am? K-N-O-W. And after Jesus gives us these four words, he then puts the word you again. If you love me, you, the audience in which Christ is addressing, you'll do something. You will, he says. Will is the idea of action, expressing that of desire, the willingness that we have to obey. Because we have a choice to obey or not. And so as Jesus shares that, he he wants to get us thinking in, in a way of our direction. And what we're going to do with that will. And so he says, you will keep. Keep is the idea to have and retain possessions of or safeguard. You, you, may, you may have a possession in your house that maybe isn't worth a whole lot to you in monetary sense. But you've kept it for a really long time because it means something to you. And you treasure it. Not because of its intrinsic value, but because it reminds you of something that was important in your life. I sometimes think it's maybe maybe even kind of sad in a way, but because you see, I don't know how many of these I've got. I don't know. And if I really needed another one, I have, I have enough money, I could go and buy one. And if I didn't have enough money, the Gideons would give me one. And so sometimes I wonder, you know, if we only had one of these per family, <laughs> and it was something that was handed down from our, our grandparents and handed down to us, and it was the only one we had. Would it be precious? <laughs> Think about it. 
So, Jesus goes on to say, if you love me, you will keep my. The word my has to do with the idea of that belonging to Christ. They are his. They are his. And then it's interesting to me that he concludes with something that we live in a world where there are those who really don't like, they really don't like commands very well. They like to be able to do their own thing. In Genesis chapter 4, and verse 6 and 7, God is having a visit with Cain. And he says, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. If you know the rest of the story, you know that he didn't master it real well. Because he made plans to kill his brother. But the Lord is saying, you got a choice here to make. <laughs> how, about, how about the commands? How about the orders? How about the instruction? How about the direction? How about the statutes? How about the things that God has said for you to do. Important or not so. Last night, Kathy and I went for a little drive in the evening just to see, you know, if there was, we'd heard that there was power on the, on the south side of Carmen and we, we were missing out on the north of the tracks. But um, so we took a little drive. We came over here to the building, and and Brad was just leaving uh, after he had had um, somebody come by and clean the parking lot, so we'd have a place to park this morning instead of parking in a foot of snow. Um, and so I thought, well, uh, what are we, you know, what are we going to do this morning? <laughs> you know, and I can't I can't communicate with anybody. I can't. I can't phone them, the phones won't work, the cell phone won't work, can't send messages. So we were over here, so we thought, well, we'll just drive we'll just drive by and see Ray and I and see how they're doing and I'll have a little chat with him and and uh, so I I go around that way and I get there and Brad pulls in right ahead of me. So we meet up again there. 
when I went to come up the steps coming into Ray and Di's house, I, I see there's a mat out front of their house. And it has these words on it. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I, I happen to know where that came from, by the way. But Notice this passage from Joshua 23 and verse 5. Well, I'm going to notice a couple of them. I'm going to notice one in 23, and then I'm going to notice the one in 24. 23, verse 5. And the Lord your God... He shall thrust them out from before you and drive them from before you and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Be very firm then to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. Chapter 24 and verse 15. I'm going to read 14 along with. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord... Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So when it comes to this idea of the commandments, and Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He doesn't say, he doesn't say, only keep the easy ones and the hard ones you can leave those for somebody else. He doesn't say that. He, he just says, if you love me, you'll, you'll do that. You'll keep my commandments. Some of you were with us on Wednesday night when we looked at some thoughts from the, from the Psalms. And so I want to, in closing this morning, read to you a few verses from Psalms 119. Because in these few verses, there is a plethora of words used to describe the commands of God. Because there's not just one. Psalms 119, we'll begin reading at verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe thy law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the path of thy commandments, and I delight in it. Incline my heart to thy testimonies, and do not, dis, dis, and, 
and not to uh, dishonest gain. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in thy ways. Establish thy word in thy servant as that which produces reverence for thee. Turn away my reproach, which is which I dread, for thine, eye, for thine ordinances are good. Behold, I long for thy precepts. Revive me through thy righteousness. May thy loving kindness also come to me, O Lord, thy salvation according to thy word, so I shall have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in thy word. And do not take the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I wait for thy ordinances. I will keep thy law continually forever and ever, and I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. I will also speak of thy testimonies before kings, and I shall not be ashamed. And I shall delight in thy commandments, which I love. And I shall lift up my hands to thy commandments, which I love. And I will meditate on thy statutes. Our Lord, said these words as recorded by Matthew in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in their name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. May God help us to take seriously the things from his word and to understand and to appreciate what he wrote for us to have are things that if we're going to love him, if we're going to say we love him, then those are the things we're going to do. And he will one day say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. May we help each other along the way as we stand and as we sing.